Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. My computer, I'm a little bit worried, I think is super buggered. Something has gone really wrong with it. So I hope we get through this episode and then all the other 12 million things I need it for today. So good morning. <clears throat> we are talking about a specific conversation that we talk, it was a talk that we were at last week at Recovery Reinvented with Dr. Bruce Perry, uh, who wrote the book, What Happened to You with Oprah Winfrey, among many, many other books. He's a North Dakota native, which is pretty interesting. Um, and we said we would pull up an image that we took <clears throat> from the uh, conference. So let's do that, Dr. Mary. That's fantastic. So it's a little bit hard to see, um, but he has this whole thing about the reward bucket. Should I read this little bit from the book? Yes, do that. Okay. Then we can explain it. I can eat your toast. Or okay. You might remember that we started with toast. We might just continue to wrap up with toast here and there. And she still hasn't forgiven me. I've forgiven. I just haven't forgotten. There's a big difference. <laughs> okay. Also remember that humans are emotionally contagious. We sense the distress of others. So imagine a child living in a home with an angry father who's having a hard time finding a job, feels disrespected in his workplace or uh, in the community. And maybe the father uses drugs or alcohol to try to calm himself down, dull his anger, even if he thinks he's hiding that from his children and he loves his children, they are um, internalizing that terror is what they're incubated in, whether they know it or not. So as these children get older and are introduced to drugs or alcohol themselves, they may discover that they can feel a quiet they have never experienced. The pleasure that comes from the relief of distress becomes a powerful reward. Remember, Relief of distress gives pleasure. They are relaxed for the first time in their lives. The pull to go back and use again is very powerful, though it's affected by how dysregulated you are and by the nature and strength of the other sources of reward in your life. So here's where this comes in. Every day we fill our reward bucket with various sources of reward, and not every day is the same. Some days will be rich, rich with friends and family, other days, you may fill your reward bucket by volunteering at a local food kitchen. And some days we are left empty and unfulfilled. Many of us found it harder to fill up during the COVID-19 pandemic. People reported more anxiety and depression, and many people used some of the less healthy forms of reward to fill that void. Um, so if you look at these various things, and you know what? I don't know if, if that's as useful. Maybe this will be easier to see. I'm not positive. We'll try it and see. Okay. So here's two different reward buckets. So you've got this top stuff. You've got sweet, salty fat. So maybe you snack. You've got, um, oh, rhythm. Every, every human 
is regulated by rhythm, whether it's dance or music or uh, breathing in, in and out rhythmically, because it's how we were formed in our mother. And then finally, um, you've got potential for alcohol and drugs and relational. So you can see that they shift from day to day, which would be true for all of us, not just people who are struggling with addiction. So Dr. Mary, why did we find this so interesting? Um, actually put it back up there. This might be useful. Okay. We, 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 this, he, he did this, this, this diagram explains a lot of things that we've been saying and hopefully this will wrap them up. There was, and I know I've talked about this very famous experiment where it actually it was another level of a famous experiment. The famous experiment was done in the fifties and even the forties with mice, monkeys and humans, um, volunteers, mostly students who actually wanted extra credit, but they put you in a room and they put electrodes around your head so they can monitor brain activity. And they did, this, they did the reward thing. Mm. You push a reward, you get water. You push a little button. Yeah. Yeah. And then they changed up the experiment and food. So they had food. Um, so then they changed up the experiment. There was another button that actually gave you a drug or alcohol. And after a short while, um, the mice, the monkeys, the, the humans just pushed the button for the alcohol or the drugs. They, they hadn't eaten for days. They, were, they could have got water. They didn't. And they were, and when they when they put those rats in a room with other rats, they very quickly went back to pushing a button for food because they were interacting with some other mm. being. The ones that were kept on their own just kept going and kept pushing the button for either the drug or the alcohol. And when they put two animals together in a room with two sets of buttons, if one of them just pushed the one for alcohol and stayed sitting there only sort of blissfully happily its own self. The other one did exactly the same. Wow. So this whole thing is your potency for being hooked on something is the key, which is what C shows. Um, your your sweet, savory, fat thing is another issue as well, because those three things can actually stimulate the brain mm. in the same way that the drugs and the alcohol does. He gave this great analogy of uh, if you you know you're you're training hard or you're right you've just run a marathon and someone gives you a, a drink of water, it sets off the same pleasure receptors in your mind yeah. as an alcohol would. Now, if you're just drinking dinner with a glass of water, if you're having dinner with a glass uh, of water, just having it, it doesn't set off the same set of reactions because it's not that pleasurable because you needed the water. Mm. Now mm -hmm. you're just having dinner, and mm -hmm. it doesn't register. So that's one of the way one of the pathways to addiction of how your brain rewires itself in the frontal cortex that only your pleasure center and the thing that connects it the nucleus accumbens which is just this big neuron that sends um chemical receptors down which are the keys to addiction what i was so struck by was how important relational relations are not being isolated because um it's really hard to know, and we've talked about this so many times, but it's really hard to know if you started drinking more because you felt isolated because I often chose Quinn over you, or if 
I chose Quinn over you because you were isolating yourself and drinking more. Yeah, that is a, that's a tough one. You know, and I, I really appreciate, although it's very hard for my personality to accept this, I appreciate that you have come down on the side of who cares? It happened. It doesn't really matter what started it. One, they may have equally fed each other. Um, why would we spend a tremendous amount of time trying to get to the root of what started it? Let's focus on the fact that it ended, which I love because I love this period of our lives. But I really would love to know. Well, it's just like this. Actually, my it's not being flippant, or I just don't want to talk about. No, it. I, I didn't mean it that I, way. I spent. I know you didn't, but I just, I just explained you. Know, I spent. A, I spent about the first year and a half of sobriety trying to work out the moment when I stopped being able to manage. Being it. able to manage, and I can't think of it. And then a very wise man said to me, "You know what?" He said, "Who cares? Mm. Concentrate on the fact that you're sober." Yeah, and I just thought, well. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Just yeah. he said, this is the you know day, one day at a time. Live your day. Mm. If you think about why you're in this moment, you won't enjoy the moment. So live the day. Yeah. And another thing that sprung to mind. Um, it's really this, hard to show this, these. This is why I sucked at teaching on Zoom during the pandemic. <laughs> Where it says reliefs on that diagram, there I think it says. Does I say religion or belief? It says beliefs. Beliefs. That isn't actually a single deity. That's your personal mo uh, mantra. I maybe. Guess maybe is the right word. Your belief systems. What makes you you? When you're addicted, you can see and see. It's complete mm. because all you think about is how do I feel good? I feel good by drinking. That's that's it. That's all. And everything else gets cut off. Can I ask? Do you think it's the question is how do I feel good? Or is the question, how do I avoid feeling bad? Oh, that is a very good one. That's a very good one. And, and sometimes you can say, well, aren't they the same thing? Well, I don't uh, think so. I don't think they are, but they're very hard to distinguish between. Mm. Because in that moment when you are full into your disease of addiction, you actually don't care. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to say that people who have been watching us, however you've been watching us consistently or periodically for these last two and a half years who only know Maz Mary in this iteration, isn't it impossible to imagine that he could have been uncaring, disengaged, dull, um, mean, not always, but sometimes mean, um, isn't that impossible to imagine? I mean, I often tease him and call him Lucky the Leprechaun because he's so jovial and he's so um, present and alert and engaged. And I think, I think if you have not experienced addiction, A, lucky you, B, you are in a very small camp, and see, I want you to just trust that what happens to a person who is this bright, this articulate, this joyful is almost unimaginable. It really, really is. We could never have had a 
cogent conversation around a slide or a, a image of a book, even if it hadn't been about addiction, you just couldn't have done it. Mm. So if you're watching this and thinking, well, how bad could it have been? It was bad. It was none of this. The accent was there, but you want to know the honest truth? The accent was often so slurry that it was like he was mumbling. It didn't matter. Um, and P.S. I don't just like you because you got a great accent. Just in case you're concerned that I've been holding on to that for 21 years. I think I've worked that one out. Okay, uh, but I think it's there were really... other signs that that gave me that impression. Yeah. Um, I want to put this up from John. Being alone has its challenges for anyone in addiction or anyone yeah. full stop. I find it interesting. The more you tend to focus on what not to do, you tend to do more. Oh my gosh, isn't that true? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's about getting into a routine of betterment instead of focusing on your challenges 24 seven. And a lot of that has to do with feeling good about what you're doing and feeling the reward of satisfaction of succeeding. Once the succeeding begins, it gains momentum in the right way. It helps to support a, a it helps to have a support system in any realm of let me see if I have to pull this down and then pull it up again. Any any realm of hmm, I can't see the rest of it, John. Oh, it stopped. Maybe you're typing more. Uh, I think that's true. And he makes a quick reference. Dr. Perry does in the book about um, how difficult isolation was during COVID-19. <clears throat> I mean, be a single person. Oh, John just wraps it up in any realm of feeling good. Thanks for that, John. I think you just ran out of characters there. Yeah. Um, isolation. For, well, thank you for that, John. It's always nice to hear from you. For elderly people, for single people, for young young people who were out in the world on their own. Our son was in Los Angeles in an apartment all by himself during COVID. Um, he kind of created a little community of people who felt like they could be outside together once in a while, but wow, he was alone for massive periods of time. Um, and I think even Quinn experienced a, a mental dip during COVID because he did. was just on his own. Yeah, most people did not fare better being isolated than they did being in community. And we, we you and I, we were lucky. We were lucky. I was sober enough, long enough, Oh, sorry. I was sober long enough. I was sober enough. I was sober long enough to be okay. I was a bit sad when AA meetings were cancelled, but they had a Zoom thing. But that kind of didn't really work. And then we that started. Was challenging for then you. we started yeah. this, which was actually of great help. But we were together in the house, and we actually like each other, so we just did stuff together. Yeah. But you know, if you're if you're in addiction, that that's a who that's a whole new thing yeah yeah any last thoughts we're just wrapping up put put the thing back up a second don't buzz me okay that was a suggestion <laughs> the difference between a b and c um if you're looking at c you go oh my god that's me what do i do if you challenge your disease and get a handle of your addiction you can slide back into b very easily mm. it Staying in B can be a challenge and worse for most, but it is doable and that has its own benefits. So that's why you can see it. I mean, even people where we were at, at this um, 
Discovery reinvented event or, you know, wanted to know why in B it's the only one that says sex. Oh, that's right. The first lady asked that. Lady. She wouldn't ask it. She asked the governor that question and then he outed her on stage and said, the first lady wants to know why only in B is there sex. Part of it is, and he never really answered the question, but I, I know this as well. Part of the fact is that when you get over your when you're addicted, you lose interest in everything. When you get back on an even keel, when you're starting to, you know, relearn who you are, everything begins to fall into place and who you were starts to come back. Mm. And that's when you start rebuilding relationships, if you can, or new ones. And that's where your personality starts to reinsert itself. And then when everything's balanced and everything goes back to normal, that, that's why that was in B. Did anyone else think about Michael Scott from The Office when Dr. Mary just said that? Do you know what you just said? That's what she said. <laughs> okay. Strangely enough, now I'm the mature one. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Look at me blush. My wife has suddenly turned into a 10-year-old. <laughs> Well, you know, I couldn't help it. Anyway, 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 anyway. Um, this was a really interesting talk. This book, extremely difficult to read. What happened to you? Um, difficult to read, but worth it. And this, um, Dr. Perry, um, he seemed to me, I never met the guy. I never saw him before when he came on the screen. He just came across as just a really nice guy. He wasn't, mm. you know, he's got, he's got an MD. He's got a PhD. He's written 11 books. He's, he knows Oprah and they wrote this together. So he's, yeah. he's had a scented candle under his chair for years. <laughs> Probably gave him a car as well. I don't know. But my point is that he just came across. It was a fantastic. Talk. Yeah, it was. He just came across as a really nice guy. I think. So just to wrap this up, the, the quick, takeaway is if you can get out of isolation and challengingly don't find a community of users because that will make it so much harder for you to avoid what you're trying to avoid what i got one more thing okay go Here's a tragedy about where I work at, at MSUM, and there's a Lutheran college just the other, down in the same town, Lutheran four-year college. Both of them had um, like walk-in clinics that you could go to say if you, you know, twist your ankle or you know need stitches. They re both these institutions have now had just have health welfare clinics, mental health, mental health clinics, because over the last few years, and it became a bright. Um, with the pandemic, everyone, like you said, everyone feels isolated. There's more mental health issues now than there are skin, knees and broken fingers. Yeah. So another, I, I brought this up in case, what the hell is he talking about? Um, you're not alone. Mm. No matter how desperate you feel or how much column C feels like you think that's your lot in life. You are not alone. Reach out. Someone will be there to help you. Yeah. Yeah. So we are back on Thursday with our first repeat guest. We told you last week we're going to bring back some guests. Um, Jonathan Holf, who happens to now be the director of Recovery Reinvented. Yes. Jonathan's coming back to talk about his journey since we talked to him early, early on. So um, we'll post his previous conversation 
And I'm just going to say this. We're going to go back to this conversation too, which is hearkening back to the beginning. My hair was really bad during COVID. So just prepare yourself and we'll see you on Thursday. Have an excellent day. See Bye. You later. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L.com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.